Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Thank you. God bless you. It's good to see you all. Amen. You know, Brett, you did an amazing job of laying the introduction for my message today. And uh, the Holy Spirit's in charge, right? That's really good. You know, it's okay for us to laugh and relax in church. (laughs) He loves us so much. Let's just open up our hearts right now. Let his love pour into us. Yes, God, pour in your love into all of us, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And you know, we want to honor fathers. We acknowledge all of you and greet you today. But you know who the greatest father is. Amen. Amen. Our heavenly father, no one can match him. And the reason that any father can be good here is because of our awesome heavenly father. That is good. Amen. We have some people out of town, some people are sick, and those of you who are here are here by divine appointment. We believe that. God's got something good for all of us. Amen. And by the way, you moms are important too, okay? If it weren't for you, none of us would be here anyway, you know. (laughs) So God bless all the mothers as well as the dads. I am glad that I'm a dad. I wouldn't want to be a mother. They, they, go, they go through too much. But when God's given you that grace and the gift to be a mother, listen, it's not second rate. And when you are a mother and you're raising kids, that's not second class. You're not giving up something more important in order to do that. You're a divine vehicle for God to raise up a tremendous family. Amen. 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 And praise God for dads, too. Okay. Amen. Amen. Well, we're talking about dads. I heard a story about this dad I thought was pretty good. And it was during report card time. And little Johnny comes in and, Look, Dad, look at my report card. And he got straight A's. You know, his dad looks at that. And he says, Wow, son. He said, I'm proud of you. That is great. Such good grades on your card. And uh, he says, I think you've got my brain. Oh, oh, okay. So he goes in to see mom and, hey, mom, look at my report card. All good grades. Dad says it's because I got his brain. And she says, well, probably so, because I still have mine. (laughs) Okay, now, is there anybody rating the quality of these jokes here? Yeah, is that a one or a zero? Is that a ten? No, no, no. <laughs> amen, amen. Well, I, I want to express my thanks and appreciation to Pastor Steve for asking me to serve in this way on Father's Day. Well, I, uh, I remember when... Steve was about five years old, and I was out in the front mowing the lawn. We lived in Lacey at that time, and I was mowing the lawn, and Steve comes running out, and he says, hey, Dad, come in the house. They got a good thing on TV. Come and look. He said, they got soccer on TV. Wow. So that sounds pretty good. So 
I turn off the lawnmower and I go in the house to see what's on the TV and here they got a boxing match. <laughs> sock, sock, sock. <laughs> That's what he thought soccer was. <laughs> he soon learned that it was, you know, there's another soccer too, which he enjoyed. <laughs> Maureen is my sister. She, oh, she is here, right there. I got, I got to tell you this about Maureen. <laughs> She's been a faithful servant to our family and to Leanne and me for many, many, many years, and I honor her and respect her. You, so you got to know that before I say what I'm going to say. <laughs> I remember many years ago, Maureen was looking forward to getting home after church, and she was planning on smelling that wonderful beef roast and all of the carrots and potatoes and everything. She was just looking forward to that. Oh, oh, I can smell it now. Ooh, wonderful beef roast. And so church is over, and she goes home, and just exciting about getting the, you know, all of that smell and everything. And she gets in the house, and there's no smell. She says, oh, no, I must have forgot to put the oven on. So she goes and opens the oven door, and there was no roast in there. She got the oven on, went through the cycle, but no roast. <laughs> That's pretty good, Maureen. <laughs> well, would you, after all this kind of relaxing, would you join me in prayer? I'm serious now about this. I don't want to joke about prayer, okay? It's so important because we get to communicate with the main Father through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, if any man speak, let him speak as an oracle of God. And that's my prayer. Would you join me that the Holy Spirit will really anoint us all, that this word will be very, very feeding and helpful and encouraging and inspiring and, and even some conviction if it comes. You know, it's the Holy Spirit's job, part of it. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that we're so blessed to have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit united as one, one in purpose, and yet diverse in operations and functions. And we call on you today, thanking you for the anointing we have received. It abides in us. And we pray now for a, an empowerment of the Holy Spirit to touch every one of us, not just me, but, Lord, help our minds to be open to you and flood us with your truth. Flood us with the revelation of your heart and who you are and what your wonderful, amazing plan is. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My title today is Focus on the Family. Focus on the Family. And I kind of thought that would be a good title. And then I got to thinking that, you know, that was Dr. James Dobson's corporation and his message, focus on the family. And I was thinking, well, maybe I could get by without saying that, you know, so you would know this is an original with Pastor Earl. But I don't want to be guilty of plagiarizing <laughs> and uh, that's stealing somebody else's creativity and passing it on and... And creating people to think, well, that's his. 
So anyway, how many think it is a good title? You better, otherwise I'm going to call Dr. Dobson and tell him you don't think it's good. <laughs> All right, the message text is Proverbs 24.3 in the Amplified Version. Through skillful and godly wisdom, a house, a life, a home, a family is built. And by understanding, it is established on a good and solid foundation. I like that verse. It's a powerful verse. It's full. And a person could preach several messages just on that. Just on that. Notice that the word says skillful and godly wisdom. We cannot build a life, a home, or a family on man's wisdom. I hope we learn that. We get all kinds of ideas that tell you, this is the way to do it, this is the way to do it, this is the way to do it. But the main way to do it is get to the book, get to the Bible. (laughs) That's God's revelation of his heart for us. So skillful and godly wisdom is the thing that it needs and builds. God's always building. If he ever does tear anything down, it's got to be because he doesn't need that or want that. But he always plants and builds, plants and builds. That's God's heart, always a builder. Lifting up and building. Now, understanding is another important word. And it establishes. There's a building, but then that life has to be established. That home, that marriage has to be established. And established a life, a family, a home on a sound and good foundation. Sound and good foundation. Let me hear from some of you. What would you use as something is sound and good foundation. Where could we get the sound and good foundation for our home? Where can we get it? Ideas. Bible. Bible. How many agree the Bible's the foundation? You would agree to that? Okay. What else? Prayer. Prayer. Yes, good. Teaching, preaching. Preaching. Revelation from God. Revelation from God. Hey, those are all good. Thank you. Appreciate that. So, sound and good foundation. Let me say that We can never really understand until we're able to accurately and clearly explain that to somebody else. Get that in your mind. Oh, yeah, I understand that. How well can you explain it to somebody else? Ask yourself that question. That's so important. Get it down and understand it so we're established. Amen. God wants us to be able to explain this to other people. It's not just the preacher's job. All of us can get in on that. We can explain God's plan. And that's a lot what we're talking about is God's plan. Amen. I want to tell you a very brief story. Uh, A few months ago, I have a grandson-in-law, or we, I'm sorry. Uh, It's not just me. I'm married to a very nice young lady sitting right down here. (laughs) And uh, this summer we'll be celebrating our 63rd wedding anniversary and it gets better and better and better. When if something does turn up bitter, hey, we overpower it with the better and get rid of it. <laughs> this grandson-in-law is a home inspector. And our uh, another, uh, actually it's Steve's oldest child, Steve and Jane, Jennifer. She's married to a guy, Cameron. Okay? And you know them, Cameron and Jennifer. 
They moved to Montecito because he works in Aberdeen, and it's a long drive back and forth. And so they were looking for a place, and they thought they got one. Looks just really good. So uh, John Mulby, the home inspector, came in to check it out, and everything looked good, and he goes down and checks the foundation. And he gets back to him and says, you don't want to buy that house, even confirmed by an engineer. It's got major, major problems, and in the future, you're going to have real problems. Don't buy that house. And I got to thinking, how does that apply to marriage and home and families? You know, we've got to have a good, solid foundation, good and solid, because when the test comes, if it's not there, you know what Jesus said, can't be like people building your house on the sand. You've got to build it on the rock, That's right. the solid rock, Jesus. Amen. My message objective today is to present biblical truth, but then also to enhance our understanding and appreciation for our loving Heavenly Father's heart. Let's say it. Loving Heavenly Father's heart for strong, healthy and strong families and to give them hope. Some of you may be here today and you're just not feeling like you've experienced all of this good stuff about the healthy family, healthy relationships, community, love, and all this kind of thing. That's, God understands that. He really does. But his heart is to provide this for us. And he wants to give us hope. He wants to give us hope. I can remember a number of years ago being in the prison and no, um, in not. <laughs> I wasn't incarcerated. I was invited to be involved in ministry in, over in Aberdeen. And talking to those guys, unless they had a real relationship with Jesus that was meaningful, they were hopeless. They were discouraged, downcast. They really needed a solution. And many of them I don't, shouldn't say many, because there were, I don't know how many there were in the meeting. It was pretty full. But a number of them received Jesus. A number of them were healed. And God was restoring hope because that's the kind of God we serve. He's always busy at doing that, giving hope. I understand that there are a variety of conditions in the lives and families that are here today with varying degrees of conditions in your life or in your family. But I want to share with you today that God's love reaches out to you with grace in an amazing way, every one of you, every one of us, to point out our greatest need and fill it. That's what God wants to do, to fill that greatest need, whatever it is, whether you're divorced, single parent, or whatever, and, and there's a number of conditions varied, but it's the same God, it's the same Jesus, it's the same Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, that wants to pour hope into your life yeah. and revive you and give you a purpose for life and meaning. In yeah. Jesus' name. Right. Let's turn to the definitions. We look at the word focus, and I've got three things here. It's the main emphasis. So I'm emphasizing family today and father. 
Now I could put a big heavy on all the dads. Hey, to be a good dad, you got to do this, 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 this. And if you're not doing, God's upset with you. He'll hit you over the head and bang you on the side of the face. Come on, wake up, get with it. That's not our father. Now, I said he does convict, but he is so loving and so kind, so hopeful. That's what he is. And so the focus is the main emphasis. Secondly, to give your main concern and attention to one thing. And if I could say what it is, it's family and father. Family and father. Just open up your heart. Family and father. And then thirdly, to concentrate on seeing clearly. How many have ever used a pair of binoculars? You adjust those so you can see clearly. And what happens if you don't have them adjusted right? It's blurred. You can't see. God wants us to see clearly his revelation, his heart, his love to give you and me hope. That's what he wants to do. All right. Family is the next word in a biblical sense now because I know there are all kinds of families. But I'm talking about biblical family. The family relationship is the first and foundational institution established by God. In fact, it brings me to a point now Do you know what the first word is in the Hebrew dictionary? Father. Father. That's the first word. He's the originator of it all. Father. Yes. It is the basis of all human society. It consists of a man, a male, that's man, male, woman, female, and children. Those, Those things. God said to Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, be fruitful multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it or govern it. That's what God said. And I could speak more on that, but I, you know, I want to move on because I don't want to preach the everlasting gospel and wear out the saints of the living God. Now, I know that's an old one, and you've heard me say it before. Come on, Pastor. (laughs) Okay. Now, here's a good one. The definition of a family man That's my heart, that's my desire, and God has helped me to be. It's him who gets the credit. A family man. This is a family man. A married man who enjoys family life and spends a lot of time with his wife and children. That's not my definition. This comes from the Microsoft and Carter College Direct Dictionary, published in 2001. Family man. I want to be a family man. Family man, yeah, amen. Now, I grew up as a young boy, obviously. You know, all of us boys or all of us men were young boys. I was one of those guys. And in in 1941, I was seven years old, and my parents got divorced. And from then on, for many years, it was a real struggle. There were several years that my brother and I We didn't have the privilege of having either our dad or our mom. We were kind of farmed out in different places. And it was lonely. I felt rejected. I had so much insecurity. You know, I didn't know what I was going to do, everything. It was was really, really wearing on me. And I had such damaged emotions as a result of that. I, I don't want to belabor this and take too much time, but... There was one day, we went to church, okay, usually every Sunday. But I found and learned that since that time, 
and watching the hurt and the pain in people and in our society. There are even kids and families that have dads in the home, but they're not relating. They're not loving. They're not caring. They're busy about their sports or their job or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with job and sports. Those are all great. And it reminds me of Jeremiah in his day. He was uh, lamenting because of the condition of things. And he was crying out to God and he said, our children are like orphans. And that's what I was. Or waifs, which means an abandoned child. And he said, our our mothers are like widows, like widows. They weren't experiencing that wonderful touch and tenderness and security that could be offered and provided by a man, a husband. That was the condition of things. And so this orphanage is very real, and the Bible talks about it. He's got the promise and we are, as a church, to have a heart for widows and orphans. Right. Amen. Amen. So later on, my mom, God was dealing with her and working in her life and so on. And she remarried. And I can remember the, the privilege of coming to live with parents. And it was so neat. And I found that my stepfather did a lot of good things in my life. And just really blessed me in many, many ways. He taught me how to work. I mean, we lived on a farm and I did all kinds of things. And he tried his best, but he could never be the model that I felt I really needed in order to be what I wasn't sure what God wanted me to be. But, and so I, I don't condemn him. He was a great man, but I still had this loneliness somehow. And I remember on the farm, we had a tractor after we got, well, yeah, we, we, I don't want to go into detail. I can do that because there's so many things to talk about. I can remember one night the moon was out and I'd used the tractor to kind of do some things, pulling stumps out and stuff. And, and I loved to build fires that were controlled. <laughs> and, and I can remember sitting out there on a log and I had this fire going, and the moon was out, and I was just sitting there, lonely kid, kind of crying, and I said, God, would you please give me a nice wife and a nice family? And I was about, I don't know, 11, 12 years old maybe, and I prayed that. I didn't know a lot about God, but I did know that. And I just prayed, God, please, please do that, do that. Well, I am so grateful to God's faithfulness. I felt like a loser, but God wanted to make me a winner. I felt like I was in spiritual poverty, but God wanted to lift me into divine royalty of an exciting family of God and learn how to be a, not only a biological father, but a spiritual father. He did. So I want to give some additional family-related scriptures here, and then keep moving along here. Psalm 128, 1 through 4. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife 
will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. That doesn't mean she's always got to be there, but she better be sufficiently in that home flourishing because mothers are very important. Can you say amen? Amen. Your children like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing on those who fear him. Psalm 127, verse 3 through 5. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're not terrible. They're terrific. (laughs) Amen. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. Wow. I found out that there are different sized quivers. <laughs> one guy's got a big quiver, and another one's got a smaller one. <laughs> but that's all right. Quiver is full of them. Amen. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates, and we won't go into that. But I want to move on now. Here's another scripture, and this one now is New Testament and deals with God's family. You see, there's first a natural family, then there's the spiritual family. The Bible says first the natural, then the spiritual. And whatever is true in the natural, God is taking those things and transferring them into the spiritual. And I believe that God is, he's a family God. And we'll read about it in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. And God's wanting to make us family people. Amen. Family people, family church, where there's God is raising up spiritual moms and dads, and I love that part. I just enjoy being biological parent and spiritual, a father, that is, and with mom, with Leanne. <laughs> we enjoy that a lot. Okay, now here's the verse. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Let's say it. We are members of God's family. Again, we are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple in the Lord. This family is also a house, God's house. Why does God have a house? Because he's got family. Amen. Now, I want to read the next one is John 10, 10 and 11. You you may wonder, why are you using this scripture? The thief comes only, only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. Remember that. Steal, kill, and destroy. Now, in contrast, Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows, this life. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd risks and lays down his own life for the sheep. You know what the abundant life is all about? It's the life of Jesus. That's what it is. Some people go, oh, abundant life is this, 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 this. It might be a lot of different things, but the basic foundation The abundant life is the life of Jesus. That's what it is, the life of Jesus. Now, you may say, why do I use this? You know why? Because Satan and Jesus 
have the same focus. You go, oh, how could that be? Satan and Jesus have the same focus, but an altogether different purpose. You know that the family is under major attack, and that's God's heart. Not the attack, but the family. The thief, Satan, comes to steal. Jesus comes to give. Satan comes to kill. Jesus comes with life. Satan comes to destroy. Jesus comes to build up. What a difference. If I had to choose between one or the other, and you know what you would choose, you don't want somebody to come along and steal and kill and destroy you want someone that's going to give you life. Amen. And never destroy. That's why I use this. Now, in concluding, I want to leave three qualities, but you will know that in the conclusion, it may be a little longer than some, but I, I capture what Paul did in Philippians and he said in the first two verses, he went through it. And then at the beginning of the third verse, excuse me, first two chapters, I'm sorry. The beginning of the third chapter, he says, finally, brethren. And he goes on for two more chapters. <laughs> so another half hour. No, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. Let's take a look at this. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. Now we see things imperfectly like a puzzling reflection in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. These three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Let's say it. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, Faith hope, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is Love. Amen. Okay, we see that. Now, faith believes God's word and makes God's plan possible. Think about that. Faith believes God's word and makes God's plan possible. We need to know what his plan is and believe that. And it comes from the word of God. Hope makes God's plan workable. Hope is actually defined by some Scholars, as a confident expectation of good. I want you to leave here today with a confident expectation of good. Confident expectation of good. Now, a verse for this is Hebrews 6, 19. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary or behind the veil into God's presence. Yes. I think this is key because hope is steadfast and sure. Hope is something that keeps you stable. But you know what the key is? Entering in to that place in God, in his presence. That's what keeps faith alive. That's what keeps hope alive. And that's what keeps love alive is behind that veil where the presence of God was and that's all about Christ being in his presence. Amen. Love makes God's plan beautiful and enjoyable. If you leave any of these out, you're missing something. We need to have faith to believe God's word. We need to have hope 
that makes God's plan workable. The faith makes God's plan possible. Hope makes it workable. And love makes God's plan beautiful and enjoyable. I got to tell you one more story, a brief one. We were living out here northeast on Libby Road, and, and uh, back in those days, I did jogging quite a bit, and I did my four miles, and, and I was running back to the driveway, and our driveway was about eight, 900 feet long, back to where the house was. And uh, I was having a good time, but as I was getting close to the driveway, I was saying, God, I feel like I've been kind of cheated out of life in some ways, and I didn't have a dad that modeled what I needed, and I never had the privilege of having a pastor in the same church I was attending to pour into my life or to appoint somebody to do that. And here I am, God wants me to be a dad, and he wants me to be a pastor, and I'm trying, but God, I I feel like I, I just didn't have what would have made me a better dad and a better pastor. And I was right at the driveway at the turn, and I had a divine encounter from God. It was like everything got brighter. My feet were lighter, and it was just like I was like a feather, and I was just running along, just having a great time, and God, I didn't understand. And finally, he said, son, I know I was there. I watched over you the whole time but I was allowing these experiences to put into you what I wanted to develop in you so that in your latter years you would be able to be more effective for my purposes. And what you didn't have in the natural, I have and will continue to more than give you in the Spirit. And I want to say to you that that's what kind of God we serve. Can you give him a hand? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. In Jesus' name, Father, I just pray that you will use this word and settle it in strongly into all of our hearts and cause it to be fruitful and bring forth in each of us, God, what you desire to bring so that your name will be glorified. Jesus, we pray blessing. We pray for those that are hurting and feel lonely or whatever. Just pour into them in the name of Jesus. Pour into them, God. Pour into them, God, in Jesus' name. Give us faith. Release our faith. Release our hope. And release our love in Jesus' name. I'm not asking that we come forward today, but I am asking you to just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's loving tug at your heart. If you feel there's something today that God spoke to you, something that seems to be personal and very real to you, maybe it's encouraging you hope, or maybe it's, I don't know what it might be, you know. And if you feel that way, would you put your hand up? You feel like God's spoken something to you in some way, one way or another. Yes, a number of hands, many people, hands going up. Father, right now, I just pray that you will personally minister to each of these people. God, minister them at the point of their need 
and their desire. Bless them, Lord, with all the blessings that you can pour into them. You've already done it, Lord. Long, long time ago, you made it prepared. You prepared it in your grace, and your grace is the main reflection of your heart of love. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. We can go ahead and sing and Pastor Brett. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 